Hi, uh, John. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Dan, and Happy New Year to everybody that's listening to us. 2024, something about that even number just feels better. Yeah, it's, it's kind of smooth, you know, <laughs> two to fours, exactly. It's true. Um, so, John, we, I, I had an idea. Well, we were due to record with, with Wolfgang today, and uh, he, he booked something else. So I said, why don't we do a quick review of, like, look back over what we did in 2023 and talk about what's coming up in 2024. It could be a good kind of casual chat, put it out, out as a bonus episode. So I think it's it's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's been a busy year and we've had a lot of great guests. And uh, also I was just telling Dan, I just thank you to the audience that's joining our LinkedIn group, uh, sharing out and posting and people reaching out to us. As we had said before, LinkedIn's a good place to kind of uh, reach out. If you go to the International School Podcast LinkedIn page, you can message us and we get, we watch it quite closely. So if you have yeah. anything to share, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Yeah, you were just saying we've got had quite a few people joining the, joining the page or following the page, which is great. Yeah, and we have people that are joining the podcast. So really appreciate all the support. And, uh, you know, definitely if you have any thoughts or topics that resonate or things that you think we should be covering, uh, you know, we do right then we're kind of focused on the international schools market and yeah. markets the wrong word, maybe community and, and community, uh, yeah. 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 And so definitely anything that falls into that category, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We really appreciate all the support. It's, it's yeah. always nice to hear from people. Definitely, John. One thing I, I've been, I think I'd like to do um, is a few, um, I mean, this is maybe a bit niche. You can tell me what you think, but I really like, you know, we've done the tech director roundtables. I was actually thinking to do a few specific ones like I've got in mind now doing a Saudi one because I know quite a few people in Saudi, EU one, and then talk about, um, you know, first of all, what it's like to live in these places and get into all, all, into all that and teach and a family. But then the tech stuff's kind of interesting to me, like cause everyone's got, everywhere's got different privacy laws, people have different struggles of getting hardware. I mean, I know it's not kind of, you know, a lot of our audience are tech stuff. I think I, I would guess half are, you know, but I'm curious what you think about that as an idea for, for some episodes. I like it. I think always the panels do very well. We just had the, uh, we recorded not too recently, uh, digital learning coaches. We've done a couple on AI. Uh, so I think those definitely resonate. One thing that I, I mean, if I was looking through the episodes is one thing that we don't do a good job of is student voice. And that's something I'd like to work on a bit where we get international school students speaking up. Sure. Uh, Vox just did this wonderful 17-minute uh, documentary that Ben Sheridan uh, shared. And it's basically kids talking how they use the AI and how teachers see it. And there are just some very different perspectives and different feelings and different approaches on what it is and how it impacts. And I did think so often we are all the business that we do, all the work we do is actually to support students. And I don't yeah. think my own self-criticism is I'm not reaching out enough to get student guests. So that's something that I'd like to work on this year. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, um, you know, the, the, the good thing is, I mean, we went to every two weeks. I originally, originally, a long, long time ago, we did it once a week, which is too much. But the good thing is we've actually ended up doing quite a few bonus episodes. If you look through the year, we've actually done quite a few extras like this one, for example. So we've sometimes yeah. been, been weekly. And you, were, and you were reminding us that we should count them as an honest episode because yeah, on well, our uh, Apple feed and on the Spotify feed. I'm going to speak to Jay. 
Yeah. <laughs> Our editor Jane James, wants uh, the numbers to go up. Yeah. So we've yeah, done. Yeah, exactly. Because we're we're on 116, but then if you count the bonus episodes, we'll be over 120. So it's getting yeah. thanks to good numbers yeah. now. Yeah, it's always good. And last year, I remember I really enjoyed having this conversation at the same time. Actually, just to yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's always a good time to to reflect. Yeah. I've just um. I'm just back from three weeks in the Alps, which was was amazing uh, in in Austria. How was it, still? it was it was um there was two really big dumps when it was amazing. We had I got up super early and great powder, and then it kind of got a bit, you know, um, it kind of rained a bit. There's, there there was still full coverage on on all the slopes, but it, you know it was it was artificial snow as well. So yeah. and just as we left yesterday, we were recording this on Sunday the seventh of January. It was snowing like crazy. I was devastated to be leaving. But, um, and I'm just, I was just talking to Wolfgang. We should, um, I'm definitely going to come to Switzerland in Jan and we should try to get a Saturday. If you fancy a Saturday ski trip to, to go up to the mountain somewhere. Yeah, I have the honor and uh, joy of going on ski camps with uh, eight year olds and nine year olds here in January. So we'll have to make sure I'm not with a hundred kids uh, skiing. Yeah, so the school exactly. that I'm involved with, they do these ski camps, which is great. So, John, you were saying about in Switzerland, some of the lower altitude um, ski areas are being closed. Not closed, but they're definitely reconfiguring on how to generate incomes because they can't generate incomes just on that one season. So they're trying to diversify mountain biking, hiking, all those other type of events that take place, you know. And I think this whole climate change really uh, amplifies how you have to be that much more adaptable and being able to think very differently than just expecting, you know, that big cash cow of ski season. I think those days are over. Yeah, it's interesting. So where we go, we, we have a you know a part, small apartment in a place called Raris, which is in Salzburgland in Austria. I've been going there for a long time. I, th I think I've mentioned on the pod I used to work in a ski school there, just just part time in the school holidays. And um, there's a big summer skiing area called the Kitzsteinhorn in Caprun, which is a big glacier, and that's just closed this year. It's been open my whole life, and um, they, they say they're closing permanently now. And it's not because of you know. Um, climate change or anything it's it's still operational they just can't make the money there just isn't the money coming in to operate a ski area in in the summer there so it's, it's closing which is kind of a, a real shame you know it's just been great to go and get a couple of days skiing in the middle of july it's always kind of a bizarre and quite cool thing yeah. to do yeah it's funny these existential threats you know climate change and some people say ai and cybersecurity and all these things yeah. they just seem far more part of the narrative and it was interesting i was listening to a podcast uh from this british orthopedic surgeon that had volunteered for three weeks to go into gaza and yeah. work in the hospitals as much as you can considering the situation and his and the bbc uh, presenter podcast facilitator was asking you know we've tried over the last uh six weeks trying to get you to talk and you've always said you don't do interviews why did you suddenly decide today and one thing that really stuck out for me he was saying he's never seen the level of cruelty in warfare as in these uh last 18 months yeah it's really bad so which is actually, which is interesting it is terrible from an international school angle there's, there's an international school in gaza the american international school which uh i knew the old it director um it used to be part of a group called esol uh which is uh -huh. um based out of um dubai and we work we, we work apps events my company work we support them but it got taken over by usaid which i believe is the u.s some U.S. fund government-funded NGO, 
And um, I don't know what's happened to everyone at the school. I know the school's been bombed, from what I understand. I don't know who's around, if anyone's been killed or who's alive. So, uh, yeah, if anyone knows oh, anyone from the American International School of Gaza, get in touch. I've looked around online, but I couldn't find any information about what's happened to all the people who work there. So please let us know yeah. if, you, if you know anything. And so had you gone to visit the school? No, I've never been. I've been to the West Bank um, years ago, a long time ago. I've been to Ramallah, I've been to Bethlehem, uh, East Jerusalem, been to quite a few places in the West Bank, never been to Gaza. Um, I, I almost went there. Uh, there was a Google thing, Google Chromebook thing, which was almost going to happen, and I was going to go on it together with Google. This was a few years, and it never happened. I'm not sure why it didn't happen, but no, ne never been. Have you been there? No, I have never been to that area of the world. No, I'm uh, no, never. And yeah, uh, interesting. I mean, it's so complex, and so yeah, it's just you know, it, it, you read the news, and we talked about this, Dan. That you know, I think both of us kind of are avoiding the news as much as possible because yeah. it's it's just not always that positive. And uh, somebody was just reflecting and saying, yeah, maybe you can't make changes around the world, but we need to remind ourselves to be kind and empathetic just to the people around you and kind of that idea of a ripple effect. And I love that that person reminded me again of how important it is, even in our own small context or in the small area that we might be, the school community or even our friend group or professional learning circle is that you can actually have an impact for good by making sure you're uh sharing that positiveness in that small circle yeah definitely it's um you know we probably shouldn't get too much into the whole in israel guys yeah. i think because i think you know no <laughs> i don't want to get cancelled <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I think this is not what our podcast is. But the thing is, I think, Dan, as you're saying, is it's there. It's something you have to engage with. And, you know, wherever you are on the different spectrums of beliefs and, and emotions, those have to be honored by everybody and yourself. So I, I, I'm yeah, with you. Yeah, especially as like, yeah. I mean, just, just a personal, you know, there's an international school there. Most, almost everyone who listens to this works for an international school or works together with international schools. And, you know, there's people just like you who are, who, are, who are there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, Dan, you, you, it was interesting. We had a few talks about branding and, uh, yeah. you know, how organizations brand themselves. And that's really, we've had guests. We've actually had a couple guests. We had uh, guests from, uh, on admissions. Uh, we've done two episodes, one with uh, David and Sue and another one with uh, members from uh, Faria. Uh, and just tell us a bit about the branding, because I think that's so important for an organization like you. And you and I had kind of a conversation about how do you recalibrate if you have to brand? And Yeah, just, you know, it's interesting. So for people who don't know, I, I founded a, uh, an organization called Absevents, uh, which and we're a Google for Education partner working with international schools. And I've been doing it. John was my first ever customer. That's how we met. Um, and, um, so we've, we've done, uh, you know, I've been doing it for a long time and, and for almost all of the history of apps events, we've been predominantly a PD professional development organization. So doing training, you know, we started up running Google summits, like with, with John, we've run them a lot of all around the world, you know, Africa, Asia, Middle East, um, South America, North America. I mean, really, you know, it's been amazing. Um, and we, you know, run a lot of technical training and stuff, but, this year has been a big year, you know, talking about this year, because we've kind of refocused more to get actually into what I was doing at the very beginning when I first met you, which is more technical services. So we are, um, you know, doing much more. So Google, Google has a whole administrator console. 
So we're getting more involved in doing Google remote administration. So we work with a lot of schools who uh, people know, International, International School of Amsterdam, International School of Kuala Lumpur, uh, a few schools in Saudi, um, U United Nations International School, Hanoi. And we kind of are supporting the admins. So we're supporting, you know, we're doing, we, ha we have an ongoing private support group for the Google administrators. We do regular training. We do a, a full security audit every year. And then for some of the schools, we actually take it a step further and we actually, we are an admin. We're an additional Google admin for schools that don't have the results. Oh, oh, we might do interim cover. So it's been a big change from being predominantly PD to predominantly tech, you know, Google tech support. And and we anyone listening to this, we're still doing PD. It's not like we've, we've stopped it. It's just not our focus. The COVID changed things. And um, and for me, you know, it's been a it's been a new lease of life, you know, because I've been doing the same thing for a while. My background's in tech as a, as a tech guy, and and I I like getting this is it's got me super excited about it again you know so but then the branding thing is like well you know apps events it's, it's kind of it's got events in the name and i was like i was thinking of changing it and i had a really good chat with you john last week where you know you gave me some good feedback but probably it's not the name that's the main issue the main issue is we haven't communicated this is the direction we're going and like you said events could also be you know security events it's got some technical meaning as well and and that's a really good point and and um and we're going to look at what you suggested maybe speaking to an agency how to rebrand the messaging because it's you know you and me speak all the time and and if you're not clear about it then no one else is clear about it for sure because you know yeah. you know more than anybody else you know what i mean yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting what you're bringing up is this idea of communications, because I think sometimes we make the assumption, we message out, you know, you, you know, you have your website, you, yeah. but I think sometimes one doesn't realize that sometimes the message is not getting out. And we were actually in, in the conversation, I was just saying that, you know, an example is like Apple, it's an apple, right? Yeah, it, it's a fruit. But nobody thinks of Apple, the company, anything to do with the fruit, apart from maybe the logo. But yeah. so I think it's also the messaging, the way you create the ecosystems that get people to remind themselves what you do and what services. And I think, you know, the issue and the focus that you have on technology, security, admin console and cybersecurity is so critical. And I think one of the maybe pinch points for many schools is that for them to manage that on their own without a third party support can be quite challenging, often because they're just not the human beings in the department to be able to do uh, that job fully as they're juggling other things and the complexity of it and having a third party come in and support you, I think is just such a really smart idea. And I think, you know, and you can attest to this better than I can, more and more schools are looking at partnering with other organizations like yourself to support them and running the administration, doing the security, instead of trying to hire five new people, which of course, financially for most schools is not possible. So I think there's an interesting opportunity and also interesting relationship building between schools and providers like yourself that have created the community. There's the admin console training. And then you also, uh, people can contract you to have a one-year contract and you kind of hold their hand and, and maintain things. Have you noticed a greater demand for that, Dan, since yeah, you well, switched? Yeah, well, it's a new service, you know, and, and it's ongoing. You know, we, we said to, from the beginning, it's, you know, quarter to quarter, month to month, whatever you want, year to year, you know, whatever, 
You know, we're not going to hold anyone to anything. We want them to want to stay. So far, touch what everyone has. There's, there's been demand. It's been, you know, it's interesting for, this is kind of more business talk for people interested in business. It's, it's kind of a new product. So it's not like, um, let's say you, you, you've, you're selling a learning management system or you're selling training. It's, it's something that already exists. And then you just kind of, you know, you choose us above someone else. This is actually kind of a new a new thing, which makes it a bit harder because people, but, but the reason people are going for it is, you know, we've got a few really high end Google admins, you know, certified Google cloud certified, everything, Peter Horner, Charlie Love, um, a few other people we work with. And so the point is you could hire someone at a school, but then, you know, you're hiring an entry level person, training them up. And, and, you know, you obviously what every time you hire, you're taking the gamble, but you're not hiring, you know, to hire someone like Peter Horner would, would cost you a lot, you know? So, so we're, we're, you know, we're, we're giving the high-end support, but on a fractional basis, you know, because you don't need it every minute of the day, but you do need it. I mean, every month, I mean, one of the things I'll mention later, you know, with the big success for us this year was our community. We've got our, you know, Absolute Google Admin community. It's all completely free. Anyone listen to this, if you're, if you're involved in technology for an international school, you can join. But um, we do a monthly call where we go through all the new features of just on the admin side. We're not talking about all the new, we do talk about some of the stuff in Classroom, and every month it's, it's, you know, we're going pretty fast and it's 30 to 45 minutes every month of just new features, you know? So schools are realizing that just, it's not like the client server days where you might get an upgrade every year or two to your Microsoft server, you know, system. It's, it's just an ongoing thing. And so that's why I think we're getting some interest in this because, you know, it's just having another, someone else who knows your system. Cause if, you know, if you have staff that leave and come and go, I think it's, um, you know, it's great. We're starting to get some traction. It's just a matter of getting the word out, you know. You bring up a good point. I think nowadays a lot of the updates and the new features, I mean, sometimes I go into Google Drive and I'm taking, you know, I've taken educator level one and two. I'm a Google trainer, but things just show up and I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know about that, you know? Yeah, and okay. so I think having a digest of that is really helpful, especially on the admin side where you might have a thousand or 500 users. And that's a lot to manage and to be always in tune with the latest. I think that digest is a great idea yeah definitely and so the other and the other thing we do is um you know we have a support group but we can jump from text chat to video chat and and actually you know we're we're doing more than support we're, we're writing gam scripts like you know if you need you want someone's scripts to write to to do an integration or to do exports to bigquery or or whatever or look studio we're, we're actually doing the tech stuff for them you know so it's um it's great I, i've got a new lease of life i think you can tell i'm, I'm more enthusiastic about about this yeah, I've been, you know, I, was, I was on a bit of a downward spot. COVID just like killed the PD <laughs> stuff. Um, well, it was it was miserable for a lot of reasons, but and this has been great, you know. But that COVID, it, it was actually an unexpected benefit of COVID. It kind of pushed me to to move in this direction. So um, something good has actually come out of it, really. So, Dan, do you feel that the PD is something, of course, that you're still doing? Because I know you, you're you working, you have a group of trainers that are active yeah. and you see them on uh, social media. They do some great work supporting schools. That's still there. But really, for you, you feel that now this focus of admin uh, support and the technical community, there there is maybe a greater demand. It makes more sense for your organization. Definitely greater demand. The demand, in my opinion, people can message us what, what they think. I've seen the demand for PD has, has gone down significantly. I mean, it, it it obviously stopped completely in COVID. You know, I mean, we we put a lot of free content on YouTube, but really there was nothing happening, and it hasn't come back to the level it was before. I think 
specifically with Google for education, I think part of it is it's been around for a while now. People have maybe, you know, they've been using it for 10 years in some cases. It's not as, as kind of, from an end user, from a teacher point of view, it's not as novel. There's people know about it. I think um, there, there is a demand, but but it's just, and, and, and we could just focus on it. Like we could do it, but it's it's the problem is from a business point of view, you're starting again every time you do some training. Like, you know, you yeah. do some training and then, then you've got to find another piece of training. Whereas, you know, what we're doing now is we build an ongoing relationship with the school IT director. Yeah. And, um, and it does, and it, st- it means you can staff up your team. It means you can plan for the future because it's not always a case of, you know, and, the, and you know, we run a lot of summits and the summits were like, um, it's, it's, summit's great, but it, it's a lot of work for one event. And you, you, you might get a lot of people and you make some money or you might lose money on it. You know, it's like we yeah, lost money a few absolutely. times. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough And I business, think, you know? as you said, COVID really changed the landscape, especially for a lot of consultants whose bread and butter was face-to-face or summits yeah. or conferences. And I think a lot of people have had to recalibrate and reinvent PD. The other thing is there is so much PD out there. If you go on LinkedIn or any of these uh, yeah. education groups, so many organizations are providing PD certifications here and there. Uh, we were just talking to Nancy and Helen from ECIS and how many other organizations are doing the same thing that yeah. they are. So I think it, it's, and also schools have suddenly realized, oh, I don't need to bring a consultant and we can actually do uh, some PD. And this is something that last year I, you know, I periodically would travel for uh conferences and presenting at conferences and now it's really shifted where people are saying hey could you do two hours on a saturday morning uh pd on this topic and that's something that i've seen much more of and that's something that i've been excited about being able to provide pd and i think we're much more comfortable in a zoom environment we understand or a google meet we understand how to structure the pd so it's engaging people are you know really feeling that there's a return in their investment they have opportunities to connect with people there's conversation you know i think we're just much more savvy than just messaging out one way yeah definitely um have you seen i mean in your in your experiences do you think schools are doing less PD or you think, and do you think that's just a post COVID trend or, you know, or do you think it's moving to online, moving to shorter, they're doing internally? Like, do, do you think the volume of, of like people getting an external PD has decreased? I think it, I, I, the external PD, I would say it's changed where more often the PD is taking place instead of flying in the consultant for five days, you might have a one year contract with a consultant and yeah. periodically they will come monthly and do a two hour book study, or they might do work with different cohorts. I so. think that, and people are really comfortable with that. There's, of course, cost is always the big thing. Yeah. I think also many more schools are creating their own PD. They're, you know, I think so often we're always going outside to get expertise when if you're in a school with 200 teachers or even 50 teachers, there's yeah. so much expertise in the room and saying, okay, why don't we leverage the expertise that we Definitely. have within Definitely. our own community? So I think that's also happening. I think it's, you know, I think people just have to be adaptable. There's, you have to be much more agile. The AI thing, everybody's doing PD on AI. I mean, it's like every time you turn around, there's another PD on AI. And I I get it. It's the flavor of the month. So I I understand. So it's, it's interesting. I'm curious how that whole AI conversation and the focus on AI 
what this year might look like because what you're seeing now every provider is throwing something ai into their ecosystem yeah. you know that i have this ai we have this ai uh and so what's interesting is that having looked at many of them what i'm always noticing they're basically using chat gpt engines you know so yeah. i personally have found having a chat gpt4 account where i can create my own customized search and upload documents and have a database a data set that i have generated from my own documents or my own presentations and then connect that with the data sets that chat gpt4 has has been really powerful i find much better than a lot of these other you know education ais or lesson planning ais i find chat gpt4 just so powerful and especially now that you can you have much more personalizations and customizations that you can do i think that model is very powerful definitely and now i think dali is now integrated isn't it so you can do image creation in chat gpt4 as well oh yeah there's and you can do coding there's kind of a panel that you go into and there are these menus of things that you can do and what i've created is for my I teach uh, children between the ages of three and eleven makerspace and digital skills. So I'm basically uploading my all the presentations, all the lesson plans I've done, and that sits there. And as I'm trying to create new lessons, it's referring to past work that I've done, and at the same time going out to the data sets that it has. Very powerful. Very powerful. Definitely. So John, you mentioned what you were doing. It would be great to have an update. Obviously, you know. You've been two years now at International School of Geneva. How long have you been there? Yeah, two years. I've been back in the classroom. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's been so good. You know, I think when you're in leadership and you're working uh, with teachers and often you're managing teachers and you're helping them in their professional journey and they're in the classroom, there's a disconnect. And, and you know, you have all these great ideas, but it's you know, it's two or three layers before it gets yeah. to the kids because you're not the one. And now being in the classroom, I've just loved it. You know, working with young kids, we did, we uh, with Code Week, we did a lot around robotics, but actually what we did was not actually use robots and just, you know, having them understand patterns and coordinates and things like that. So that's been really rich. I really enjoy it. Kids are just amazing, you know. I mean, of course, they come with all their complications and nuances and, and beautiful uh, creativity. But I just find for myself, it's really interesting having to kind of share some ideas that I have that I've always worked with at an adult level and interacting with adults and other educators and yeah. bringing it down and trying to translate that to a three-year-old and say, okay, this is the concept that I want you to walk away with. So that's been a huge learning. I've really enjoyed that. And then I'm doing a fair amount of mentoring. I'm on the ECIS mentoring group. Uh, and then on my side kind of project that I have really, uh, my new passion is supporting senior citizens with digital literacy. So I'm working with two organizations as a volunteer uh, here in Switzerland, and we're doing a lot of work with that. And that's just fascinating because okay. the digital divide and, and kind of you forget how if you don't have a baseline of digital skills you can really feel disenfranchised and kind yeah, of sidelined and so i what, think i was gonna have you missed uh, missed anything about being a tech director and, and and the second question is i'm curious have they ever tried to get you involved in meetings or you know do you ever find yourself going oh well you know you could do this and suggesting things or are you just out of it out of it 
Well, I no, I haven't because we have a wonderful group of uh, we have a tech director and campus tech directors, and there's a really good group there. I'm you know I'm in meetings, and of course it's a very collaborative environment, and I'm always happy to share. But you, you know you have to kind of be careful. And what I'm noticing is often I prefer being quiet and listening because it's their vision, it's their workflow, and yeah. I'm just happy to support whatever there is at that level of being in the classroom and the teachers yeah. that I work with. I don't miss being a tech director. I absolutely love the experience. I feel very fortunate to have been able to do it. But my inbox is so small. I, <laughs> you know, I think this holiday, even though I've been away from it uh, for 18 months, this holiday was really the first time, and I can't think of how many years, where I didn't feel I had to be checking things, you know, I didn't have to, even when you're on holiday yeah. as a school leader, you might have some downtime and you might block out time and not do it, but that's always hovering over your head. Yeah, and that yeah. hovering, I think sometimes generates its own stress. So Lonely no, it's stress, been a good yeah. transition. I, I'm, I have no complaints. I'm very uh, appreciative of the experiences and the people that I've worked with and the people that have been part of my professional journey. Uh, so no, I'm I'm looking at 2024 in a positive light, and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just for me the big thing now is this whole idea of these elections. This is the first time in 30 years so many countries will be voting yeah. uh, in elections, and one area that I'm really starting to spend more time on is about how kids read in a digital world and how much in that reading strategy they're actually not reading deeply and critically. Yeah. And in tandem, this whole idea of misinformation, deep fakes, and yeah. how we are siloed in our information. And I'm personally, and I feel schools are not focusing enough on providing the tools because most educators that are in classrooms today have not really been trained or in their schooling had theoretical and pedagogic training on the idea of AI and how these powerful language models shift the way information is curated, what is truth, what is not. And so that's an area that I'm really hoping to develop and do more research and really look in the venues that I have opportunities yeah. at conferences to really amplify this idea of the misinformation. It'll be really interesting to see with these elections because this will be the first time that all these different countries and these different politicians can really leverage chat GPT for. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't have much to add to that. It's, it's going to be an interest, interesting times, definitely. No, no, no question about that. What, um, yeah, what else? I mean, I'm just curious about, um, like, what, what, what are your plans for, like, what, what have you done? What else have you done in 2023? Uh, travel? Have you anything interesting to report? I, I've got a few things, but I'm curious, first of all, what, what, what you I did the in? interrail. You know, there's an interrail uh, ticket that, you know, when I was 16, 17, living yeah. in Europe, in Switzerland, we used to go interrailing. So my wife and I did that this summer, and that was awesome. We absolutely okay. loved it. Uh, because I'm of a certain age, I got to get a really half price uh, first class ticket and it was great. We traveled all through uh, southern, central and northern Italy and through Austria over three weeks. And yeah, and so that's kind of been the, 
the new thing is we're going to try to leverage this interrail. So we're looking to do a long trip to uh, northern Norway uh, by train. And train travel is great. It, it's a very relaxing way to travel. Uh, you can read, you can sleep, you can have yeah, a couple of drinks. Uh, of course, you know, you need to have a lot of time on your hand. Uh, but otherwise, no, just, you know, moving back to my hometown after 30 years, I've been spending a lot of time getting to know the local areas, hiking, biking, and uh, cross-country skiing and skiing when I can. So that's been really the focus. You know, it's funny when you're, when you're living abroad and you, you don't live at home, suddenly you rediscover your home and you're like, oh, yeah. I didn't know this is a great thing. And sometimes even just driving from the motorway down to where I live, you have a whole view on the Alps with the lake. And sometimes I'm just like, oh, my God. I forgot about this. So, uh, yeah, 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 you know, getting to know home again, which in itself can be a really interesting process, especially when as many people that are listening to us often have to make that decision to go back home. And what is that like after so many years? Like, Dan, would you move back to the UK? No, well, it's interesting you say that because I'm having the same thing about the Czech Republic now. Because I've, I've actually been, I've lived in Czech Republic longer than I live where I grew up in Yorkshire. You know, I lived there 18 years. And really? 19 years now. So for me... How long have you I'm, been in the Czech Republic? I've been here about... Um, I came in 2004, so that's what... Um, 19... 20 years. Uh, yeah, 20 years. Plus I did a year in 99, so really, yeah, over 20 years. So I'm really... I, I, I'm really focusing on a few things now. First of all, I've kind of... It's weird. I've, I've never felt like I was here kind of permanently, but now I've just kind of accepted. We've, we've bought a nice house. You know, our kids are... I mentioned it in a minute. The kids are in school here, so I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really kind of feeling more settled here. So I'm really focusing on my Czech. I'm I'm taking the exam to get Czech citizenship. So I've got to pass a language test. It's a B1 level, which I'm I don't, I'm borderline. So I'm really focusing on on Czech, focusing on getting more integrated with with things. I, mean, I have I have a lot of Czech friends, but you know they're, they're people that speak English really. You know, so it's not. I'm so not with your a, Czech community that you interact with on a social level, it's all in English. Yeah. Basically, yes, basically. And, that, and, that, and that's, and I, I'm really changing that now. I'm focusing on changing that. My wife speaks fluent Czech. Um, and, and, you know, I want our kids to speak Czech. You know, our kids go to a, well, one of us, our sons just, just started at international school this year. And I'm already worried that, you know, he doesn't speak Czech that well. And I'm focused because international schools, that's a, the kind of downside, isn't it? You, you can yeah. really get a bit cut off from the local yeah. community. So I'm really pushing him on the Czech as well because I want him to, um, you know, because he might end up spending his whole life here and I want him to feel he, he speaks the language fluently as well. Yeah, and I think that's often challenging as in like in your situation where you and your wife are expatriates, but you've lived a long time and your wife speaks fluent Czech. But also, you know, how do you integrate? Because I know where I live, there is a huge community of Anglophones and, for, and you know, expatriates that have been here over two, three generations. Yep. But I wouldn't say that often they're integrated within that expatriate community but am, not with the local community and i think that's you know of course that's something that you can do but really integrating with the local community like the czech uh community the language is going to be so key right i mean yeah if exactly you don't speak I mean, the language I, exactly and I, and I understand it pretty well like i said I, i've got a target now and the, the citizenship the language exams it's a full day of tests it's wow. um you have various written essay tests uh, two or three verbal ones. You have to pass a Czech culture exam. So there's quite a bit to it. And, it, and it's a good goal for me to have now. So I'm just trying to get a date. It's, it's The dates will full up for the first quarter of the year. So I'm just, just doing that. And that's kind of my, my, my big focus. Um, and and work-wise, you know, it's interesting. Um, 
I've traveled quite a bit in, in 2023, and I'm I'm going to focus more on Europe and the Middle East in terms of my you know more short tra- trips this year. I think uh-huh. I'm now I've got a business partner James who you know, and and it's great. He's in Asia, so he covers a lot of, a lot of that. But so I, I was I was in, in Asia. Tw- Sorry, Joe. You can split those regions, so James can bit, concentrate yeah, on one. Yeah, we've we've all we've done everything together, but a bit more, you know, in terms of a face to face contact. Because I mean, I, I was there twice this year. Both times I was in Hong Kong and I was in Singapore. And it was great, you know. I was just in Hong Kong before Christmas, actually, for two weeks, and that I absolutely love Hong Kong. We talk about it quite a bit. Um, thought about living there many times, but um, it's a long trip, you know, when when you get out there. So it's and you need you need to stay for, in my opinion. I like to stay for two weeks when I go out there just because the hassle of getting there it takes you a couple of days to recover. And, you know, then you can really focus on just meeting a lot of people. Yeah. And those, those are long flights and, you know, you have kids and yeah, yeah. that traveling thing is, is hard. I think really hard. Uh, yeah. I mean, the other travel thing that was interesting was Saudi Arabia. We've talked about it on the pod, but um, I, I, I've been going there for the first time. Um, huge changes there. Like, like you can't imagine, you know, like it's, it's it's going to be the, the the new China in terms of for international schools. What what you know China's going down now for international schooling. But what it was, I mean, I've heard different numbers, but I mean, essentially over seven hundred international schools planned are being are in progress to be built there. When you say international schools, you remember we've had this conversation. Yeah. We've had guests. Uh, Denry was with us, and we've had quite a few guests talk about this. Are you talking nonprofit international schools or maybe like Kaust is part of the university uh, system in Jeddah? Are you talking those kind of schools? I'm just curious. What are you noticing? The vast, vast majority are for profit. Um, I think the vast majority of international schools are for profit. People aren't opening new nonprofit international schools. You know, it happens. It happens here and there. It does happen. Um, You know, we talked to the International School of Ostrava and other ones who've who've, who've done it. But no, it's... um, it's all pretty much almost all for profit. All, all expats because, I mean, they're, they're building this new city of Neon, which is 9 million people. They're doubling the size of Jeddah from 9 to 18. There's a this city called The Line we've talked about. I don't know if you've seen the 200-kilometer long walls. Yeah, yeah, walls, yeah. A monorail in between. That's kind of dystopian. So who knows if it's going to work out? They want to be the new Dubai. They want to be the sort of regional financial hub and, you know, getting ready for the future of that oil. So... That one thing's for sure that, you know, in terms of the international school educators that want to go there to make some money, I mean, you know, you go there as a teaching couple, you're going to save a lot of money. You know, there's yeah. a lot of the just don't have all these distractions you have in a lot of places. You, you get obviously <laughs> salaries are the highest in the world. I don't think anywhere has higher salaries than Saudi Arabia right now. So I've met a few people just going out there saying we're going to be here for, you know, three years, five years, whatever the number is, and just, just save money. And, you know, and, and yeah. you know, Kids have a great life there. It's a very Truman show. You live in your kind of bubble. I was staying with Donovan up in Kaos, which is amazing. I mean, it's like a whole town, you know. They've got great sports facilities, water sports. So it's like a self-contained environment that you basically live all day in. You socialize and work, and you're not going out that much. You you would only leave if you maybe went to Jeddah, which is, you know, it's like an hour down the road. You might go there sometime on the weekend, but you wouldn't go there every weekend. I mean, you'd go weeks without ever leaving the... Um, I say compound, you know, it's, it's like a small town, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, I'm town. sure kids can cycle everywhere, but you know, it's, it's not, it's definitely not for everybody, but it's what I think it is though. It, it's, it's the future of international schooling. I mean, the, that's where the growth is now, you know, and it's going to be a huge growth. And what's so amazing is to think culturally and, you know, how 
we, when you think of Saudi Arabia 20, 30 years ago and how now, uh, you know, opening up, it's open to tourism, uh, you know, every half decent great soccer player, football player is hired, you know. So it, it the amount of money and just the way you're describing things is, is this the investment power yeah. that's going into all this is phenomenal. And are there are these Saudi Arabian for-profit organizations that are creating the schools or is it like Cognita, Nord Anglia, you know, gems is is or are there new players that you're noticing? I'm still learning about it. I mean, there's um there's so Saudi Aramco has a big group of schools already. I know Gems and Cognito are, are looking at it. There's lots of um, lot in progress from what I'm hearing. You know the whole we've talked about it on the pod before, where you get the the, the English private schools licensing their name, with, yes. partner with a local businessman. A lot of that, a lot of that is in place. There's various English you know schools, which is basically it's a local partner. Um, the ones I've heard of, it seems to be local partner with you know foreign investors, foreign operators, things like that. But okay. um, you know, to, they're gonna. If you think this, the country's gonna increase by, say, twenty million people more or more, you know, they're all foreigners. The Saudis are not like reproducing in a, at a higher rate than normal. You know, there's not. They're all foreigners, so you know, twenty million people. That's a lot of schools. You know. Yeah, that is a lot of schools, and it's a bit. It sounds like as you were describing before, it's kind of that Dubai model where you yeah. know the biggest percentage of kind of the white collar workers uh, often could be expatriates. Yeah, definitely. But there's also schools like, you know, Dubai is very segmented. You have schools for Filipinos, you have schools for Indians, you know. Um, so it's, it's there's and Bahrain and these places have that as well. So there's going to be a lot of these sort of schools focusing on very sort of specific groups of people as well. It's interesting that you bring that up. Over the holidays, we actually shared an article about in China now there are. Uh, Many of the international schools have to do the new security curriculum, yeah. uh, you know, where they basically the Chinese government is instituting a curriculum that's specific to uh, the security and the data privacy, et cetera, of the country and international schools, as I understand, just from the article. And it would be great to hear from somebody out in China if how you might be impacted by that. That would yeah. be a great pod. Uh, but just how that's starting to, you know, change uh, the dynamic of schools. And, you know, next week we have uh, Trey and Bridget. Bridget was in Khartoum and Trey is in Kiev today uh, with an international school. And just that kind of those changes that happen in Saudi Arabia is a great example. Suddenly this whole shift and change. And as you said, in China, a new change because of some national laws is I, I think we forget how uh, international schools in a lot of regions, it can be quite volatile and it can it be quite unstable and you, unpredictable. And I think that's something that's always interesting to be mindful of. And I think I'm looking forward to sharing Trey and Bridget's story. But the Saudi Arabia is just amazing. The, 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 the numbers that you're playing with, 20 million, you know, 700 schools, that's a lot of teachers. Yeah, exactly. And bearing in mind, you know, all the, all the news reports seem to be saying there's a teacher shortage starting, looming, or already coming, you know. I think um, it's, it's a great time to be getting a job with an international school now. You know, I think for people listening to this starting their career, I think, there's opportunities now to actually, you know, you know that you can, your skills are going to be in demand if, if, you, if you're a good educator, a good IT person, good whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think sometimes if they're new educators, the idea of Saudi Arabia often is a bit of a, you know, that requires some 
thinking. I think often people, you know, they have this idea of internet. I've been talking to a few people uh, transitioning this year from yeah. different places and they're like, no, I want to go to Europe. And I'm like, well, people in Europe stay a long time. You know, there are different labor laws. And, and so that's always interesting. But I think your point's a really important one. The opportunities for educators, especially if you're comfortable moving to the Middle East, especially if they're going to be 700 schools, that's a, that's a fantastic. Yeah, I, mean, I think it'll end up being more, you know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Because the places people really want to go and live are often not the best paid places. You know, no. like a lot of people, a lot of people want to go in Spain, you know, salaries in Spain are not great. People want to go to Latin America. High taxes. Yeah, exactly. But you, you know, you want to go to the, I mean, Hong Kong is a place probably that people want to go and it's very well paid. I think that's, that's kind of, and there's a few Asian places like that. Japan, I would say is like that. Um, Singapore as well, you know, but most of the time it's, you know, like people want to live in Thailand, but from what I understand, the salaries are not that high in Thailand compared to a lot of other countries, you know, unless you work for a, a NIST or an ASP or something. Yeah. I'm wondering if somebody has an interactive, intelligent map where you could hover over a country and it could tell you this is the average uh, salary with benefits for international schools. It'd be interesting. I know I you can look at something like that. I'm sure I'm sure I saw something from ISC about that. We should get the money in. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, Dan, another year of podcasts, and I think it's been just great. We've had such great guests. The thing that I'm always so impressed and so appreciative is many of these guests actually charge when they go out and work with schools and stuff. And yeah. people have been extremely generous and say, sure, we'll come and talk for an hour. And yeah. that that I want to thank all our guests out there and uh, that how much we appreciate that. And uh also that you're always so generous with the show notes and the the resources that you send out. So that that feels good. And I've learned so much. Every time we have somebody yeah. on, I'm like, damn, I'm learning here. Oh no. I I, I I learned from talking to you, John, as well. But it's I think the Likewise. thing is um, you know, it's kind of a hack, isn't it? Like if you want to meet, you know, we could like I'm not saying everybody would come on our show involved in the education world, but but they would at least reply to our email, you know. So having a yeah. podcast is a real hack to get to in front of a lot of people. You know, people will they'll return your call, they'll return your email, and there's a very good chance they'll speak to you. Yeah, and I've noticed that when people are on our podcast, uh, if you look at LinkedIn, I looked at LinkedIn because we have that LinkedIn group with uh, International Schools Podcast. It's interesting how th they then comment and then share to their cohort. And that also is an amplification for them in, in their craft and their expertise. So I think, you know, people appreciate that uh, when they come on, there is an audience and that audience is you listening today uh, that is very engaged. And that that I think is really people appreciate that, you know, to have the space to talk about what they get. And I'd be curious, you know, I know Pete Kennedy, actually, oh, we never said that. Uh, Pete Kennedy from Search Associates was writing to us a few times this year saying how many of his candidates actually had listened to the podcast right. and uh, had listened to Pete Kennedy and some other people that had talked about recruitment. We had Ashley and Kelly, two educators. Uh, and so that's always interesting to see that, you know, people listen and then based on the learning from the guests, they then go and do something or take advantage of that. That's great. And I, I've now been recognized twice by my voice when I've been speaking to people. And I'm like, <laughs> I know you from somewhere. And uh, it's happened to me here in, uh, yeah, twice at Air Course and at ECIS, which is great. That's great. That's great. And I, it's funny because people will, uh, I've had an occasion where somebody says, 
are you, I, I recognize your voice, but maybe they haven't seen my face. Are you on that podcast? You know, yeah. you're like, yeah. So that's interesting. I think, I think that's the thing for anyone doing a podcast. It's like, you've, it's a long game, you know, like it's not, it takes, you know, we, we, we you know, it's, it's growing. It's like a flywheel. We are getting momentum and, and, and it gets easier to talk to people because now there's a reasonable chance they might've heard it. If, if they've heard of a podcast, then they're definitely interested to talk because they know that, you know, it's, it's in their circle, I think. So yeah, I think um, definitely if you're in getting into this, it, it's a long game. I think, um, the other thing, John, I think I'm thinking about how, how we can improve the pod. And, and, and please, if you listen to this, messages of any suggestions. Yes, I want to level up our tech game a bit. I think uh, I'm already looking into how we can do it. I want us to both get sort of the, the audio and, and everything and and, the, and the not talking over each other, which is kind of in a, the technique. It arises from our not wearing headphones thing. So I think I'd like to get our tech game leveled up a bit in, in next year so we can take it to the next level a little bit. I'm all for that. Let's get some fancy equipment. Love toys. Yeah, you exactly. know, I'm, I know to I'm trying, <laughs> trying, to think, trying to figure that one out. And I think as well, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, what, 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 what you said more students, I think more students, I think would be great. I, I think I would like to hear some students. The problem is with students, of course, you have the whole GDPR. They have to, you know, that, that there's some admin on the back end that you have to do. But I would like to hear about some students, you know, what, what are they doing? What do they think? You know, what, what, you know, what is 2024? Because these, Children that are in our schools are so I mean, have such rich learning experiences. They're surrounded by amazing professionals, the resources and the activities and the content and the curriculums that they have access to is just, you know, top class. Yep. What are how are they now thinking about their lives and their role and what, you know, for example, these existential threats that we mentioned, AI and climate change as one, and of course the geopolitics. But yep. I think that's something that uh I like, and I like your idea of having kind of regional panels because I yep. think it's always interesting, even if you're not living in the Middle East, hearing from Middle Eastern uh, c colleagues and educators and international professionals, that can be really interesting as there are points and perspectives that might be something that you can transfer to your own context. Definitely, definitely, John. John, I think it's probably a good good place to leave it. We're almost it around, is. which has been a great a great Sunday chat. Um, first of all, John, yeah. have a great new year. I wish you and your family Likewise. health and happiness, and 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 the same to everyone listening to the pod. Yeah, and to you too. All the best to your family, and uh, thank you. Do message us. I think you know Dan just threw out a couple ideas. We're going to up our tech game. We're going to you're going to see us with these big headphones on our heads, yeah. uh, and you know Ooh. mics that take half of our face. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, LinkedIn group, message us, feedback. And if you do listen to us on the Apple podcast or Spotify, do leave a little rating, a review. That's always appreciated. Thank you so much for your support. And Dan, uh, we'll see you at the next episode. Cheers, John. All the best. All the best.